This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Cannabis. There has been an increase in chatter about cannabis in recent years, even here in Malaysia, particularly when it comes to legalizing medical cannabis. Recently, Muar MP Said Sadeh called for the government to openly discuss the pros and cons of approving the use of hemp and medical marijuana in Malaysia. But should we actually do this? I mean, what are its benefits? I'm Dashan Johan, and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Prof. Dr. Anne Yi. She's an Associate Professor and Clinical Addiction Psychiatrist at University of Malaya and University of Malaya Medical Center. She's also a researcher at the University of Malaya Center of Addiction Science. Also joining me on the show is Palani Narayanan, a Senior Advisor on Drug Use and Harm Reduction at the Global Fund. Prof. Anne Palani, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. All right. Um, Prof. Anne, let's start with you. Um, yesterday, um, you brought up something um, interesting when we were texting, you know, and planning for this show. And, and I mentioned yes. the term marijuana and you said that, you know, perhaps the more accurate term when it comes to this particular topic is cannabis. Now, tell me the difference between marijuana and cannabis and why is it important to note this difference? Right. Uh, cannabis is actually referred to a psychoactive product that is derived from the cannabis plant. Hmm. So it contains right, uh, various degrees of the tetrahydrocannabinol. I'm going to refer as a THC. Hmm. So cannabis, right, the drugs is produced from the plant. Marijuana refers to a product that is made from the whole plant. So it includes the dried flowers, the leaves of the whole plant. And we have another species, which is called hemp. H-E-M-P. Mm-hmm. So this is actually right another subspecies of the cannabis plant, which has actually virtually right, no psychoactive properties, has a very low THC content. It is actually used as a source of industry of foods or the non-drugs products. It, because it is high of fibers, so actually right, so it is good for making uh, aircraft materials. Right, right, so, right. So, so there is a, a, a difference here. So what when, when, when we speak about, um, you know, um, let's say in this context, legalizing medical um, blank, it's a more um, um, sort of accurate term to use cannabis, you're saying? Yes, because right, so it's, uh, what is actually inside the cannabis, usually right, the formula will have, uh, have THC and it had to be like a 4% higher. And uh, also, they also have a cannabidoid, which is called CBD. Mm. This is a non-psychoactive compound. Of course, they have others like CBN, THCV, CBG. However, for marijuana plants itself, right, it's a botanic plant, right? It has more than 400 chemicals, more than 60 right, so phytocannabinoids. Right. So, so that is why... That's right. So it doesn't have like a scientific evidence to actually try to make this uh, country to approve for marijuana plant for uh, treating certain diseases because right, so it has so many chemicals inside. It is extremely difficult to conduct any research. Palani, apart from that, right, when, you, when we talk about, you know, the difference between, um, 
you know, marijuana and cannabis and why that is important. Another mm-hmm. difference I think um, that, that, you know, people should take note of is the difference between um, decriminalizing all drugs for personal use. That is a debate um, you know, that has yeah. been going on as well. And that's a separate debate. There's also, yeah. you know, legalizing med- uh, medical cannabis, which is what we are yeah. talking about, and also yeah. legalizing marijuana altogether, mm-hmm. just legalizing marijuana, yeah. period. Um, perhaps yeah. you can break down the differences between these three things that I brought up. Sure. How long have you got, Dash? <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's start from the very beginning, right? right. Um, so the first thing that Dr. Anne was saying just now is really important. What Malaysians and our listeners out there need to understand is there are two different uh, cannabis that we're talking about. One that has CBD and the other one which has THC. So I hope our listeners will go out and Google CBD and THC after this. CBD is the product that you find in hemp. It is used for lots of medicinal purposes. The THC is the one that gets you high. So the first thing that we want to talk about is decriminalization. Decriminalization is a process of taking the criminal justice system out of the equation for those those who use drugs, right? So literally it means if you are using a small amount of drug if you are using drugs or are caught with a small amount of drugs then you are not sent through the criminal justice system which means that you do not go to jail hmm. you do not go to prison system you do not go to the courts but a civil procedure is provided it's like a parking fine you go into a civil process, like a center, like a counseling center, like a fine um, fine center, where you go in and pay your fine, where there will be people to assist you to get support and treatment. That's what decriminalization means. Decriminalization is taking away the criminal aspect of using and possessing drugs, right? Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, when we're talking about legalizing medical marijuana or legalizing marijuana altogether, we're talking about medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. Mm. Medical marijuana is about the marijuana, the hemp products that has got CBD. And this is like CBD oil, um, CBD um, pills, CBD shampoos, you know, all of those that contain CBDs that don't make you high but have got medical properties. Legalizing marijuana is legalizing all cannabis products that has got THC. Now, for our discussion and for our advocacy in Malaysia, I think the better term to use is regulation. Mm. Regulating medical marijuana. Regulation in Bahasa Malaysia is pengawalan, pengawalan. So at least there is an element of control over these products. So we can tax them. We can control the production and the sale. We can monitor how it is used. And then we can evaluate the impact of this policy on the society. So I prefer we talk about regulation, particularly because in Malaysia, when we talk about legalization, everyone gets up in arms about it. And, talk, and things that we want to make everybody in Malaysia get high. 
<laughs> no, that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about regulating this um, particular product, marijuana or cannabis. Right. And Prof Anne, um, do you agree with um, what Palani says? Um, just so you know, if to know if we are all on the same page, and particularly when it comes to this, uh, this this point about CBD and THC, when we when we talk about legalizing medical marijuana or cannabis, um, Prof Anne, um, are we talking well, about, uh, or do we want or uh, to legalize? Um, for medicinal purposes, the one with THC or the one without THC, but only CBD? Okay, right. So what we want is uh, legalizing right, medical cannabis. And mm-hmm. right, uh, even with the, a lot of uh, side effects of the THC, but then right, THC itself do have uh, medicine purposes. Right. So, right, right. Uh, for example, in uh, U.S., there has this uh, THC-based medications called Marino. And this is the treatments, right, for the nausea, right, in patients who mm-hmm. are undergoing cancer chemotherapy. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. They also have, right, uh, another product, right, uh, called Nabilon, which is also THC-based medications. And it's proven to be useful to stimulate, right, appetites, right, in patients who with, right, wasting syndrome due to AIDS. That's right. So, it is not about the compounds. It's more of like right, so how we actually monitor, regulate it, and all that kind of things. Mm, like, okay. So, so, but the problem now, yeah. right, in Malaysia is they don't care whether it's a medical cannabis, whether it's marijuana, whether it's him, as long as you have possessions of cannabis, it's illegal. Right. As long as you are processing more, uh, processing more than two hundred gram of cannabis, you are considered a drug traffickers, and mm. that will be like a mandatory death penalty. They don't care whether like the, this cannabis is hands or this uh, is uh, CBD oils or whatever. As long as right, they measure say okay, more than two hundred gram, that's it. You right. uh, uh, you will be the you will be treated as a drug traffickers, and then right, a mandatory death penalty. And mm. individuals who arrest in possessions of the 50 grams or less will be sentenced to imprisonment up to 10 years plus whip. And this doesn't matter if you are a regular Joe or if you are a doctor, a medical doctor or someone who's a researcher or someone who's uh, holding a PhD or even if you are an Easter doctor, as it long as you matter. have it. It, 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 uh, it, uh, it did not differentiate for all. Okay. Yeah, all it right. just all lump it together. Because of this law, the research on uh, medical cannabis has dropped tremendously. Virtually none in Malaysia. Mm. Okay, so I want to get uh, um, both your takes on this. Um, just so we know that you know um, this is what uh, we all want, so that we can move on to the whys and the and the and the specifics, right? Both of y'all think that medical cannabis should be either legalized slash regulated. Am I, am I right, um, Prof. and and um, Palani? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. It's like uh, the reason why we want to legalize it is we want the government to regulate it. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a fantastic way of putting it. So, <laughs> so Prof. and what medical benefits does um, cannabis have? And how is it different from whether it's painkillers or other um, um, drugs uh, that we already have 
um, right now? Right. Well, good questions. Right. Mm. So in overseas, there are already a few like THC based medications. I've already a lot of uh, research has uh, proved that it is useful to treat like certain like conditions. For example, Sativus. Sativus size is actually a mouse spray that contains like cannabis. Inside, right, so they have a CBD plus like THC. It's to treat right for the neuropathic pain that uh, that like, may accompany right uh, this condition called multiple sclerosis, which mm. is uh, inflammatory like diseases. And right, so currently we don't have a uh, good treatments for this. So uh, the patients will have uh, lots of pains, right? So, mm. and then another one is like uh, called uh, Abitolex, which is a CBD-based liquid medications. There's no THC. This is for the treatments of right, right, uh, severe epilepsy that is not responding to the, our anti-epileptic drugs. Right. So what you're saying is there are actually diseases or conditions right now that whatever drugs that we have that is available to be prescribed or to be bought over the counter right now, we do, there, are, there are gaps in that, that there are problems that these uh, existing drugs cannot solve that, that has yeah. been shown in other countries that cannabis uh, can sort of help the situation. Yes, Okay. And uh, another thing I'm also curious about um, is could the legalization of medical cannabis um, lead to a reduce in usage of other prescription drugs or over-the-counter drugs? Because this may not be a perhaps a huge issue in Malaysia. You can correct me if I'm wrong, um, Prof. Ann or Palani. Um, but you know, when when we look at uh, you know when we when we read up about what's going on in uh, in the U.S. or many Western countries, we talk about how there's an over reliance on on drugs, you know, pres- uh, prescription medications in the country, and it's just um, you know increasing and increasing, and it's it it, it brings up a whole host of other issues. Um, for the people um, taking the drugs, right? Either kidney problems, or liver problems, whatever. So, so, so many things. Um, do you think that um, you know, legalization of medical cannabis could lead to the reduction of usage in other prescription or over-the-counter drugs? And would that be a good thing, Profan? Well, I don't have uh, this experience, but look mm-hmm. at the US. It does show that right, they have a reductions in usage of other prescription drugs like uh, fentanyl, which is uh, opioid-based uh, drugs. So mm. it could be a good thing, right? So rather than right, so they're trying to right, so purchase over-counter drugs without any uh, medical advisors, and right, so they may not actually buy the correct drugs for themselves. You know, um, the evidence on medical uh, marijuana is mounting more and more. The reason why we have limited amount of evidence is because for a very long time, it was so highly criminalized. It was on schedule one of everyone's uh, drug list that it was really very difficult to get any research done on cannabis. However, over the last 20 years, 30 years, we are having more and more evidence on medical cannabis. 
we can see that it is like Dr. Ann said, chronic pain, pain management, increasing appetite. There is increasing evidence on treating epilepsy and arthritis pain for older people. There is now more and more research going into the use of cannabis for people recovering from chemo, for sleep disturbances, anxiety, and cancer. So the evidence is mounting, absolutely mounting. Um, and if you look at people who have used cannabis for pain management, because it works the same way as opioids, where it actually um, disrupts the, the signal that the mm. brain sends on, on pain, um, we can see that it is effective in managing pain and managing anxiety. And yes, you know, if it, if it does reduce opioid-based painkillers, then I think it can only be a good thing, no? Because you can see how uh, prescription drugs can also cause um, problems uh, in many areas. But, but this is the point. The point is that there is an increasing and mounting evidence for the use of cannabis in medical settings and in use of med medical cannabis for people to manage pain, anxiety, arthritis, and all of these diseases, we need to invest in more research. We need to invest in getting more evidence, but at the same time, we need to take on the current evidence that it's actually providing a lot of relief to many, many people around the world. Prof, and Palani brought up an interesting point about research and why, you know, that because of this, um, the current laws, it's, it, it makes research, you know, extremely difficult. Or it makes, you know, we don't have that many, that much data yeah, here in Malaysia. A lot of the data, a lot of what we, we have, a lot of discussions on, um, broadly speaking, is based on research available from other countries. Um, Prof, and you are someone who, you know, researches um, these things. Um, has it been challenging to try and research um, cannabis in Malaysia because of the legal structure and the laws that we have right now? Yes, definitely. Although, right, so our Ministry of Health is so hmm. saying that uh, it's a medical cannabis for research purposes, right, they will actually, right, so give a different pathway. So, right, so it's like a exemption, right, so from the criminalization law. But the thing is, right, so the company who want to bring in these like, uh, cannabis have to apply the license for right, so doing the research in our country. And it is very, very difficult. Mm. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So, so, right, so, yeah, it is a huge obstacle that yeah. right, if we continue have uh, these uh, criminal laws on the cannabis, that will be very difficult for us to do any research on the medical cannabis in any conditions. On the show with me today is Prof. Dr. Ann Yi, Associate Professor and Clinical Addiction Psychiatrist at University of Malaya and University of Malaya Medical Center, as well as Palani Narayanan. He's a Senior Advisor on Drug Use and Harm Reduction at the Global Fund. After the break, I'll be asking them what countries have legalized medical cannabis and how it has benefited them. We'll be back with more on Today I Learned, BFM. 
Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Prof. Dr. Anne Yi, Associate Professor and Clinical Addiction Psychiatrist at University Malaya and University Malaya Medical Center, as well as Palani Narayanan. He's a Senior Advisor on Drug Use and Harm Reduction at the Global Fund. And we're talking about the legalization of medical cannabis. Should Malaysia do it? So Palani, what countries have legalized medical cannabis and how has it transformed or benefited those nations? Look, you know, across the world, countries have either legalized, decriminalized um, all drugs or medical cannabis in various forms. If you look at North America in the US where the war on drugs started, and for a long time they had zero tolerance policy, you now see over 30 states out of 50, I think it's around about 37 now states that have legalized medical marijuana or regulated medical marijuana. 11 of those states in America has legalized recreational use of marijuana. Mm. The state of Oregon in, in the last election, the state of Oregon decriminalized all drugs. Now, if you go to Europe, you will find that most Western European countries have decriminalized the recreational use of marijuana everywhere. Most countries have also got medical marijuana regulations. So it's easy to buy medical marijuana products on in your corner store in most cities in, in Europe at the moment. But the best example in Europe is, of course, Portugal, where the country has decriminalized, decriminalized all drugs for use and personal possession. This includes heroin, cocaine, uh, marijuana, ecstasy. So if, if people are carrying small amounts of these drugs, which we call the threshold level, so if they are you know, less than five pills of ecstasy, less than two grams of cocaine or, mar or heroin, um, they are not sent to prison, but they are sent to a committee which assesses their drug use behavior and their addiction and then provides them with drug treatment and support and not put them in jail. Um, because of this in Portugal, the prison population is down, HIV and hepatitis C infections are down, and there is no massive increase in the number of people using drugs. Portugal is a case example that countries must look at and, and, and follow. In Africa, Morocco is the latest to regulate marijuana, joining Rwanda. Mm. Then you have South Africa, which has decriminalized recreational marijuana, and other countries that have also done this include Lesotho, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. And then you look at South America, you see Uruguay, Bolivia, Ecuador, all of these countries have also started decriminalizing drugs. And in Asia, we have Thailand, which has recently legalized medical, mar medical marijuana and started dispensing through government-sanctioned um, uh, dispensaries across the country. So you see that this is definitely where the world is progressing to. We know that the war on drugs has failed. We know that zero tolerance policies, the punitive drug law approaches have only supported uh, underground criminal activities. They have made all these drugs from their pure form to the worst kind of mixed unpure forms, which people start to um, mix with all kinds of impurities and then to, just to get high, just to get, just to get people hooked on. We know that the war on drugs has only enriched 
underground um, criminal organizations. And we know that the war on drugs has only increased prison population. So more and more people are waking up to these facts and moving towards decriminalization and regulation of these drugs. I think you bring up very, very strong points about the, the shift in, in perspective towards drugs on a global level. But if you could zoom in on something you, you brought up about Thailand and, and legalizing um, medical cannabis and how they are starting to have dispensaries um, by the government themselves, uh, you know, approved and sanctioned by the governments and, and these dispensaries, people can go and, and get uh, medical cannabis. Oh, what is the purpose of that? Um, what issue are they trying to solve with these dispensaries? How has it helped the people with their medical situations? It's, it's exactly what um, Dr. Ann was trying to say just now. You know, mm-hmm. people, people find that you know, sometimes the chronic pains are so bad that they can't manage it, or arthritis pain is really bad. Parents have seen their kids go through epilepsy daily, which is heartbreaking, and they've used many different types of drugs and it hasn't worked. And then they try cannabis, which seemed to have done the job, which seemed to have um, you know, alleviated the, their suffering. Um, eliminated their suffering um, to a large extent. And, and they want to use these, um, these products because they can see the benefit of it. Now, if we don't regulate it, if we still highly criminalize it, then what happens is the demand is still there, but the supply goes underground. Right. The supply becomes black market. And people still get it. You know, you can get it through the internet. You can get it through um, different dealers. You know, people still can get it. And it's and and then this underground black market don't give you the pure medically regulated good stuff. What they give you is mixed with impurities, products that are substandard. And created in the back lanes and you know and in the kitchen of someone's house instead of a regulated factory, regulated pharmacy led by regulated chemists. So that's what you have. You know, you you dispense this medication in its pure form, in its medical form, regulated by medical associations of those countries, the ministries of health, and then you get a good product that actually work. Palani, the thing is, right, some, some will say, you know, they'll listen to what you're saying and the, and the argument that I've heard is that, you know, legalizing medical cannabis would lead to a spike in cannabis use among the masses that, you know, today you, you say, okay, um, cannab- medical cannabis is going to be legalized and then tomorrow, you know, in playgrounds, in, uh, uh, you know, standing out uh, by the street, outside of restaurants, everybody would be, you know, lighting a joint or, you know, uh, you know smoking <laughs> and, and things like that. Uh, is this true? That, do, do, do we have any stats that prove this argument? It is something that, um, that we need to take seriously, although it often makes me smile and laugh because, mm-hmm. um, because we have these products in many different forms, right? We have right. drugs in many different forms. And, and you, look at, um, you look at cigarettes, for example. Cigarettes and alcohol cause way more deaths, mortality and morbidity in the world than any other drugs combined, right? 
Um, they cause lung infection, they cause cancer, they cause kidney infection, they cause you know many, many different ailments. Um, and yet we regulate cigarettes, we regulate alcohol, we tax them, um, they have commercial value, they have economic benefit to the country. Um, and then you see also um, heroin use in the 1970s, 80s, 90s. I mean, I worked in, in, in Chowkit for a very long time. Um, I, I co-founded an organization that worked with heroin users in, in Kuala Lumpur. For a long period of time, you know, heroin was was criminalized. It was heavily, heavily until today. It's heavily criminalized. And yet at some point in the country, 120,000 people were injecting it, um, you know, and people were using it out in, 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 uh, in, in, the, in the country. You see crystal methamphetamine at the moment. You see lots and lots of people still using crystal methamphetamine in some form or another, not just in Kuala Lumpur, but even in rural areas and in plantation across the country. So um, so there is an argument to be made that criminalization makes addiction even worse because, you know, when you, when you, when you give these products to criminals to produce, then they produce the bad, the bad quality ones, the ones that are highly addictive, that gets you hooked and that gets, gives you the, the most awful um, withdrawal symptoms that you cannot get out of it. Now, let's look at the evidence of whether or not legalization or regulation or decriminalization of drugs increases addiction. And the answer is actually no. Um, in many places, you see a slight increase of cannabis use when, once it's um, recreational marijuana is, is um, is approved in the country, but then it comes back to um, it comes back to the levels before regulation. What we see in America, for example, um, we see that older people are taking up the use because they have arthritis and they have chronic pains. Young people don't want to take on what their parents use, you know? So, so there, is a, there, is a, there is a difference in reality. Young people don't want to do what their parents do to get high, they don't. It's not vogue, it's not fashionable. Um, so when you take away the criminal element from a drug, you're also taking the excitement away from the drug. Now it's regulated. Now you can get it on, in, in, in medical settings, you know? So it's no longer, it doesn't have that, that excitement or the criminal um, subversive elements anymore. So we do not find an increase in addiction when uh, drugs are decriminalized or regulated. We don't, Dash. Prof, and what, what is your take on that? Because you are someone who studies addiction as well. Yeah. And there are some who argue that consuming cannabis could lead to addiction issues and hence it should not be legalized. And there is this belief by some that the, yeah. only, the only reason that people do not consume yes. cannabis is because there are legal repercussions. And once you remove that legal repercu repercussions, mm -hmm. then... Yeah, we are open the Pandora box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a... open it, right? So everything will come out. So, so what they could think of is like everyone can like uh, have a joint in a copitiam or something like that. Yes. So, yeah. so what's so, your take on that? Okay, right. So first of all, it's like uh, what they meant is actually consuming the marijuana. Mm. That's why I need to tell you 
all the differences between marijuana and cannabis, mm. right? So yes, for smoking marijuana, right, it can actually lead to addiction problems. We call it right, marijuana use disorder. It's a severe form of addiction. And uh, 30% of people who use marijuana, right, so we have some degrees of, right, uh, develop this marijuana use disorder. Especially if they use marijuana before age of 18, they have seven times more likely to develop like uh, marijuana use disorders. And also, right, so there are similar right, so cohort studies have linked right, marijuana use to increase the risk of psychiatric disorder, including right, schizophrenia, uh, which is a severe form of psychosis disorder, depressions and anxiety. So right, so that is why I have a reservations on right, legalizing the marijuana for recreation use yes. because it is not without harm. However, right, on another hand, right, there are also studies right, to show that CBD is able to inhibit paranoid symptoms and cognitive impairments in the uh, marijuana use disorder. So CBD apparently acts like the antidote of the THC. So we can't actually try it's uh, just one use law, one, one law. I mean, we can't have a law to fit everyone for, uh, in this case because right, so cannabis itself or marijuana itself right, so it have many, many components. And right, so we do not really know what is the, their functions and all that kind of things. That's for, right, so we hope for legalizations of these uh, medical cannabis so that right, we can actually conduct more studies or research right, to determine whether right, so it's, uh, they are really useful to treat right, certain right, the diseases, uh, you know, uh, their value in the medicines, and also what is the long-term side effect. Right. They continue to use this. Yeah, I, I just want to add that, Dash, just very quickly, that mm -hmm. one of the things that's really important when we talk about addiction is that there is a continuum of use. It's 15 to 30% of people who get really addicted. And by addiction, we mean that they have to use it on a very regular basis. They have withdrawal symptoms if they don't use it and they have negative consequences because of their use. So they start losing their jobs or losing their um, social circle because of their addiction. That's only 15 to 30% of people who use this. 70% of people can use it and manage it and can use it um, without any kind of problem. And this is for all drugs, whether it's cigarettes or heroin or cocaine. We really cannot put a young person who used it once or twice with his friend, we can't call him or her an addict and put them in prison. That would be a very wrong thing to do. Um, and that's what we do at the moment. The criminalization looks at everybody in the same way. Prof, and I want to ask you something because you brought up a very interesting thing as well on how, you know, you, you say from your end, um, you know, where, where you can confidently say is you want uh, medical cannabis to be legalized. How would that play out in real life? Okay, let's say today it gets medical cannabis gets legalized. What does that mean for the normal person? 
how does that mean they can buy it or does that mean they need to go to a doctor and then when the doctor gives like a prescription and then they they can buy it or does that mean that the hospitals themselves will will give it out as 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 how they give out when when you go and get any other treatment okay it's right so for legalizing rights medical cannabis so qualifying patients with the medical conditions who in the judgment of their healthcare professionals that thing that they may benefit from the medical use of the cannabis so they only will prescribe them like uh, this uh, medical cannabis so they will able to try to use that uh, prescriptions to like purchase these uh, cannabis from the pharmacy and like the, they should not be like arrested or persecuted or subject to any kind of uh, criminal sanctions or uh, civil right consequences probably need to carry a medical cannabis card we have actually done it before last time right so when we want to use uh, we want to use methadone to treat our opioids uh, addiction uh, our opioids uh, use disorder patients mm-hmm. so we actually have gone through this we put the methadones inside i mean as a treatment and right so the doctors prescribe it and then later on right side so the patients will come and take the methadones and they also will carry a medical methadone cart with them i want to get your take as well on what palani said about how um you know when it comes to addiction there needs to be uh, a certain pattern of usage right um you use it uh, every day uh, or something every week or something like that some sort of consistency to lead to an addiction do you agree yes. with that and also um with that in mind does the just the consumption of cannabis in this case let's say you know in your what what you said you know now um let's say it gets legalized and um you know doctors can give it out uh, or you know you can go and get it at pharmacy if you hold like a special card for example in these situations just does the consumption of cannabis itself have any negative impact on health okay so try to uh, if the consumptions of these uh, cannabis is already come with the fixed dosing mm. so overseas have already have a lot of uh, data on right so what kind of the dose that we going to give to the patient to treat certain diseases so it is it is not like smoking the marijuana and so it's uh, as you know so any time that you like or you want yeah All right so at the end of the day what you're saying is um it would be pretty much like any other medication yes. and because you can get addicted to other medication that they give in the hospital if you don't follow the dosage and exactly. stuff as right. you may actually overdosing if you take more than it should be and dash yes. don't forget that it's not just um smoking or taking these drugs as pills there are also alternative medications using cannabis mm-hmm. cannabis oils um cannabis um you know edibles um there are different ways that this can be um used so it's not just through a medical dispensary yes. it can also be um it can also be dispensed at pharmacies it can be made into products that can be used and sold in pharmacies and alternative medication shops so we're not just looking at a very medicalized procedure mm-hmm. to distribute medical cannabis so there are many different ways that 
uh, once it's regulated, the cannabis can be used um, in commercial uh, settings. Yes, so like Karani uh, mm. right, so is talking about the hint. H-E-M-P. Mm-hmm. I say yeah. that there's no psychoactive uh, uh, formulas. People use it, right, uh, for the for the fibers and right, uh, for the you know, if, even they put it in the cosmetic products. That's right. People yeah. will not get addicted. Applying a uh, you know him uh, content uh, contents right the cosmetic products. As we wrap this conversation up, um, I want to go get your final thoughts. Um, the big picture: Should medical cannabis be legalized, Prof. N? As I just saw, I have said that right, uh, medical marijuana and right, uh, cannabinoids right, have significant health risks as well as many potential medical benefits. Hmm. So, by legalizing it, right, could make it easier for us to develop cannabis-based medical treatments because research could be done. Also give the governments the opportunities to regulate cannabis properly to ensure the safety of the customers. It also decreases right, the strength on the justice system, freeing up our police so that they have more energy and more money to fight other criminal activities. Lastly, right, uh, medical marijuana regulations will actually bring incomes to the countries. You know, through like uh, increased taxations and creations of jobs. Palani, what about you? Yeah, I totally agree with um, Prof. Anne, but I want to also highlight um, mm-hmm. to all of us that, you know, we need to once again talk about the futility, um, the absolute non beneficial action that we do on the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's always been a racist policy that started by Richard Nixon in 1970s. It was aimed at controlling and incarcerating poor African-Americans and Latino people. Um, and so you would, you know, you would see in the prison populations in America, there are, you know, far more black people and Latino people than there are um, white people. Um, you will see everywhere in the world these laws, you know, this criminalization of these drugs from Brazil to the Philippines. The people who are most affected are poor people. It is the people who live in the slums, the people who yes. live in rural areas, the people who live in the streets. Mm-hmm. The rich people can buy and use these drugs without being harassed by the street level police on a daily basis. The people who get shot on the streets in the, of Manila or in the favelas are people who are poor. And it's very mm-hmm. similar in Malaysia. You know, like I said, you know, 30 years ago when I worked in Chowkit, you will see these young people coming out from you know rural areas come and get into drugs and then they get caught by the police sent to Pusat Sarenti or sent to prisons and then they come out and they go straight back into drugs because you know that's that's the life that they've known so I have seen people go through in and out of prisons and rehabilitation centers for their entire adult life and what do you get when you send an 18 year old boy or a girl into prisons you don't get them to recover. What you do is you put them together with hardened criminals who know how to use better drugs, sell better, sell bigger drugs, and do better crimes. So that's what you're doing when you send a young person into prison. We need to change that. We need to get, we need to find alternatives to incarceration. We need to reduce prison population. 
And you know, so so the 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 whole effort to decriminalize drugs in this country and legalize medical marijuana and legal and and talk about regulation of marijuana is about not wanting to put people in cages for experimenting with drugs or substances. What we need to do, imagine what we can do if we just guide this 18 year old boy or a girl to reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know what I will choose. If we are truly a Malaysian family, like the government is saying at the moment, then we need to teach, we need to treat every one of our, uh, our fellow citizens as brothers and sisters. And so as a brother and sister, regardless of race and ethnicity, I wouldn't want them to go to prison or suffer the, in, the consequences of criminalization um, for the rest of their lives. On that note, Palani, Prof Anne, thank you so much for speaking with me today. That was Prof Dr Anne Yi, Associate Professor and Clinical Addiction Psychiatrist at University Malaya and University Malaya Medical Centre and Palani Narayanan, Senior Advisor on Drug Use and Harm Reduction at the Global Fund. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast title Should Malaysia Legalise Medical Cannabis on the BFM app, bfm.my or wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.